Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for all that you're doing in our midst. We are so blessed. Lord, there's so much to pray for, so much chaos taking place. Uh, We could spend hours listening and praying. So, Father, we just pray specifically for the morning, that we would be encouraged as believers, knowing that we're walking in the light, we're walking in the truth, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to reach our neighbors, we want to reach our coworkers, we want to reach our family members. So, Father, just uh, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we would remain steadfast, wholeheartedly clinging to the Word of God. No matter what the world throws at us, we'll just stay focused on the Word of God. Father, we pray for anyone in our midst and for every other church. There's so many good, solid churches still teaching the Word of God. We pray that your Holy Spirit, we know your Holy Spirit is drawing. We pray that unbelievers, even in this room, even those who might be watching, maybe across the, the pond, so to speak, that they would allow their eyes to be opened, to remove the spiritual blinders, to know that you love them, that you sent your one and only Son to die for them, that at the end of this service they might receive Jesus as their Savior. Father, we pray for anyone in this room that, that's here this morning and maybe they've been away for a while. You've always loved them. You never took your Holy Spirit from them. Father, we pray for them that they would receive what your word says. You always offer repentance, but it's up to us as individuals. It's our free will to acknowledge that repentance, accept that repentance, and then act upon that repentance. So we pray for anyone this morning that's here, that they would come back. They would come back to their heavenly Father knowing that you could always use them, that you want to use them, that you want to embrace them, that you want them to be a part of the family once again. Father, we pray for them. And we pray, I pray for the gift of teaching that as we go over your word, your love letter written to mankind, that you would be glorified in and through it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's hard to imagine the emotions that the disciples and others must have been going through. It's just, you see, just yesterday it was the Sabbath. And their best friend was now dead. The ministry was over. Their hopes were quenched and their false desires. Notice I said false desires. Who has a desire for anything at this point? You see, when the sun went down on that Passover night, their master was laying in a cold, dark, hewed out grave. The celebration of the Passover that took place was definitely overshadowed by the crucifixion of Jesus. Now their future looked pretty dismal and felt just like that cold, dark grave. The one who they thought was going to be the Messiah was not among the living. You see, their hope was in Jesus overthrowing Rome. They didn't read all of the scriptures They picked and choose what they wanted to believe in. And as we as believers, we have a tendency to do the same. 
We can't do that. We have to read from Genesis to Revelation and stick what is within Genesis to Revelation because that will lead us and guide us into all truth. You see, their worst fears had come to pass. The grave had swallowed up another friend, another loved one. But again, in their case, in their minds, at least in their minds, it was the Messiah. The Messiah, he's dead. Matthew chapter 28, 2 through 4. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Awesome. Just another day. Poof. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards, notice this, the Roman guards saw this angel. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Let's look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And again, we encourage you to have a Bible. And I know some of you use your devices for font purposes. So there's no guilt or condemnation. I know you have Bibles at home. But for the rest of us, I really, really, really encourage you to have your Bible with you. So when they shut off those devices, you know where your Bible is at, where your best friend's at, and you know how to use it. Mark 16, 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought, bought spices that they might come and anoint Jesus. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, so that would have been Sunday, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Notice that. So the angel came, rolled back the stone, empty tomb. The angel didn't need to roll the stone away so Jesus would come out. Jesus was already out. But the Romans needed a testimony. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in long white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Now, if you remember the picture, Jesus would have been on the left side, women on the right side, as you're looking in it, at it. So the angel's there sitting on the right side, looking where Jesus was laid. He's not there anymore. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Angel, just see the place where they laid him. Nobody. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. <laughs> Notice that. Peter was still hearing roosters. That he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Again, you know, they've been in a state of shock. A place of denial. And now, now this morning, the day after the Passover, there's news of their friend rising from the dead. That's impossible. Remember, they're in denial. They've already... They're already in a state of shock over the whole crucifixion taking place. And if you were here Friday night, don't have time to go over it. It was gruesome. It wasn't like a little Jesus on a little crucifix that a lot of people wear. Totally naked. Beat beyond recognition. Head trauma. 
body trauma. He couldn't even carry his own cross. He lost so much blood. He was so weak. And he did it for you and me. This is the trauma that they had gone through and what they were envisioning. As John, who was at the cross, most likely came and told them. Tremendous trauma. And guys, remember, in in Rome, they purposely crucified criminals to make a public example of them, totally naked, to humiliate them, to warn anyone who would steal, murder, do anything, this will be where you will end up. And nobody got off the cross alive. Nobody. Rome made sure of that. Besides, no one's ever come back from the grave. I mean, that whole concept was as foreign to them as it is to so many today. It was beyond their grasp. It is beyond the grasp of everyone. For you and I as believers, we need to realize this. It's beyond the grasp of everyone who just looks at the physical world only. Let's look in, in back in Matthew. Back in Matthew. You know what? Turn to, how about if you guys turn to John chapter 20? Because I've just got a couple verses here. I'll read these verses as you're turning to John chapter 20. <clears throat> I'm going to read two verses, make it easier on you all. Matthew 28, 8 says, So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. So the ladies went back, found the disciples. You're in John 20. In Luke 24, 11, we read this. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, these great men of faith. I don't blame them. They didn't have the Holy Spirit within them. They were focusing on politics instead of a suffering servant. They were looking for a conquering Christ. And they did not believe them. Now in John 20, Peter therefore went out. I have to see it myself. I don't believe you. And the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. We believe this other disciple to be John, the apostle. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. But now here we see a respectful order, respecting their elders. And he, John, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths. Well, that just shoots the shroud of Turin or Turan, however you like to pronounce it. Right there, just read your Bible but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. Verse 9 is key. As we try to minister to our coworkers, to our family members, uh, to our neighbors, verse 9 is very key. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. You see, we shouldn't be surprised when we talk to an unbeliever. They don't know the scriptures. Most of them have never read a scripture, even one verse. Maybe their parents did or their grandparents, but they themselves, Bible? I don't know. We might have a Bible in the house. I don't know. Never read one. And you would think here in America, they've never read a Bible in America. They might have heard it over the airways. I'm talking about reading. They personally never read a verse in, the, in a Bible. So we shouldn't be totally surprised. You see, here this morning as we sit here, there are basically two types of people. 
Those who believe that there is something beyond this life. There's got to be something. They might not know what it is, but they do believe. The second group is here out of obligation or religious duty. They don't understand how the idea of a resurrection is true. It's humanly impossible. It can't take place. There's probably not even anything that's going to happen after this life, they might think. Just going to go to a hole in the ground. Basically, they're here to maybe release some man-made guilt or, again, out of obligation, religious obligation or obligation from a mate. All right, I'll go already. But whichever group you find yourself in, there is yet another group here this morning. They're called Bible-believing Christians. And they know that the resurrection took place. And how do they know that? You see, they've read the Word and have come to that place of understanding that there is life beyond the grave by faith. By faith. And we have now a living hope that cannot be understood apart from faith in God. If you've heard bad stories about a dentist or a doctor, all dentists and all doctors are bad. But when you need a dentist or a doctor, you're going to go by faith. Oh, all those other stories. You know what? I don't care right now. I think I need, I think I got a root canal and my jaw is killing me. I got to go. And you go by faith. Trusting God. You see, the Lord's family, his friends, his disciples, some of the religious elite of that day, they were just starting to understand what is commonly called the resurrection. I mean, you and I, how many of us have been to 20, 30, 40, 50 resurrection days? It's like, why wouldn't anybody understand this? Well, if they're not in the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. They need to hear the word. You see, death was and still is, for a majority of humanity, the most feared event in which this life ends, and for most, the unknown begins. They have no idea. But on that beautiful resurrection morning, our Lord Jesus fulfilled a promise that he had made to his disciples as they were approaching Jerusalem for the Passover. In Matthew 20, we read this, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. This is the words of Christ. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes. He's telling his disciples. And guys, this is not the first time, but this is the last time. This is not the first time he told his disciples this. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock him and to scourge him and to crucify. When they heard that, they checked out. How do I know they checked out? Because not one of them was at the grave on the third morning. Not one of them. What did they check out? They didn't listen to the rest. And the third day, he will rise again. Every time Jesus talked about this, he always ended up saying, and he will rise again. The disciples couldn't compute it. And again, not blaming, just making a point as we go out into our workplace, into our world, Why can't these people comprehend this? Don't get frustrated. Just keep loving them. Keep pointing them. Keep planting and watering and fertilizing. So for the Bible-believing Christian, there's no longer a fear of the grave. For Jesus, our Savior, conquered that fear by rising from the dead. He conquered the great unknown. You see, throughout history, 
the resurrection is the greatest fulfillment of all the scriptures and is the one and is one of the founding principles just one there's many principles but it is the greatest of our christian faith well how can i say that well in first corinthians listen to what paul wrote through the inspiration of the holy spirit and if christ has not been raised if there is no such thing as a resurrection then your faith is useless it's pointless no resurrection why bother and you are still guilty of your sins you see there is the main problem for all of humanity because we have free will and we are born into sin and you might not agree with me on this but when was the last time that you had to teach a child to disobey it's called sin you see it comes quite naturally they will often disobey without any regard for the consequences even looking you in the face and their minds are going oh yeah watch this stinking little sinners they are just little sinners they push grab and bite without any encouragement and some people call it cute but it's called an open rebellion against authority the Bible calls it sin and it's because of sin that we've been kept from having an intimate relationship with the loving God you see Isaiah 59 says and I encourage you to write these down so that you can go over these as maybe you're watering and planting and fertilizing with a person that doesn't believe in sin that doesn't believe in a God you want to know these verses they're very helpful behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear but your iniquities you see we live in a, a blaming society for the last 20 or 30 years it's it's everybody else's fault it's not my fault it's every somebody's got I got to find somebody to blame no it's my iniquities I got the problem not God have separated you from your God notice that from your God there's a God and he wants to have a relationship with you with me but I was the problem until 17 and a half years old I received Christ as my Savior but I was the problem not God but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear because some people ask well will God hear my prayers well if you're an unbeliever no there's only one prayer he'll hear God I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and I want to receive Jesus as my Savior I'm not talking about those exact words I'm, you know what I'm getting at when you cry out in repentance that you need a Savior he hears that prayer and he goes yes yes I acknowledge that prayer and I will become your father we have a choice we have a decision to make yet even in this sinful state the Heavenly Father has reached out to mankind who has created after his own image in Isaiah 118 we read this I encourage you again write this down take a picture of it come now let us reason together this is this is God crying out guys says the Lord Yahweh that all caps in your Bible that's the name for Jehovah Yahweh that's the intimate name of God 
Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This is God saying this, not man to God. This is God saying this to mankind. How can my sins be changed from the bright red color of scarlet to becoming white as snow and from the deep red color of crimson to becoming white as wool. You see, that's the whole spectrum on the color chart of red. So anything within that, God is saying, it doesn't matter. You know, well, I'm, I'm not like other people. I don't sin that much. Oh, okay, we'll get you on this side of the spectrum. Well, you know, I sin a whole lot. Matter of fact, I killed somebody yesterday. Okay, we'll put you on this side. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're on the spectrum. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. It is only possible through the power of the one who raised himself from the grave. You see, Jesus raised Lazarus just a a few weeks prior. uh, Early on in the ministry, Jesus raised a, a young man who was coming out of Nain. So other people have been raised from the dead. But nobody, nobody ever raised themselves from the dead. Well, John 10 says this. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. You know, when Jesus on Friday, we just studied it. When he stood before Pilate, Pilate said, you're not answering me. Don't you know who I am? I have power to set you free and I have power to crucify you. And Jesus just calmly looked at him and said, you have no power except the power that's been given to you from on high. Jesus had it all under control. He knew what his mission was, and he was fulfilling his missions. And guys, to this day, it's under control. The chess pieces are being moved into place. You guys have been hearing me say it, from what I understand. In July, our government is coming out with digital currency. That doesn't mean they're doing away with cash, but they're coming out with digital currency. It's called conditioning conditioning cashless society guys is is within our sight read your bible when you have a cashless society that is basically fulfilling revelation chapter 13 which will be definitely fulfilled in the tribulation so we're not in the tribulation not insinuating anything like that but it's just one more thing boom the antichrist who i believe is alive it's the antichrist now has it it's like I have total control now over the monetary system. One more step. It's becoming very, very close to the tribulation period. Verse 18, no one takes it from me. Pilate didn't take it from me. The Jews didn't take it from me. I submitted to their will because I had to go to the cross. But I lay it down of myself. I have power. Notice, I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again, to raise it up. This command I received from my Father. You see, Jesus raised himself from the grave in order to show the world his preeminence in everything. Everything. His death, his resurrection gives all of humanity the opportunity to be set free 
from the grip of their own sinful nature. Let's look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. The Holy Spirit did us a favor and all the T's are together. Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. And they're in alphabetical order too. T-H, T-I-M, T-I-T-U-S. He's so good. Titus 3. I'm going to read it. Once we too were foolish and disobedience, we were misled and became slaves to many lust and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But, a wonderful but, when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. You will never get saved by being religious. If you're here today and you're punching the clock, that is not going to save you. Will not save you at all. How do I know that? Just keep reading. And not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. You can never pray enough. You can never give enough money. You can never attend enough services. You can never do enough work of whatever you might want to label that as to get into heaven. You will always fall short because you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And religion does not make you clean. Only the precious blood of Jesus Christ makes you clean. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. Notice, not through the Republican Party, Democratic Party, the Party of Socialism, my 401k, my great wisdom, I'm so intellect. All right. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Notice that, our Savior. Do you have Jesus as your Savior? Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. You see, that is what makes Christianity different from all other religions. The Christian's hope of salvation is not in a church system based upon the works of man. Though the rest of the world may fear death or dare dream of a peaceful life in the hereafter, you see, as Bible-believing Christians here this morning, we have evidence beyond mere wishful thinking. In 1 Corinthians 15, 4-8, we read this, and that he, this is Paul writing, and the he here is capitalized in your Bible, is speaking of Jesus, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the what? Scriptures. Take everything back to the Word of God. And that he was seen by Cephas, or Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. That's a nice way of saying died. Some have died. Now, here in this room, we have about 480 chairs. So if every one of these chairs were filled, it would still be less than 500 witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And many of those 500 were still alive as Paul is writing this. What more evidence does a person need? Eyewitnesses verifying that Jesus rose from the grave. 
After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as of one born out of due time. We are very, very blessed to have what we have and to be where we're at. Without Jesus Christ, you and I, would be hopelessly lost. And as we look at this list, it's not even the full list of those who physically saw him. As you will notice, this list doesn't even include the women who were first on the scene. How about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? You know, there were probably others that were unnamed. Well, how do I know that? Well, John 20, 30 says this, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now again, for the unbeliever or the new believer, Christ is not his last name. That's a title, and he fulfilled the title. Title Christ in the New Testament, written in Greek, means the anointed one. The Old Testament, written in Hebrew, Messiah, means what? The anointed one. So Jesus is the anointed one, the Son of God. Very, very important. And that believing you may have life in his name. But again, the choice is yours. And the choice is to our neighbors and our coworkers and our families and our friends. You can't make anybody receive Jesus. But we can take the information to them. We can love them. We can be that example at the school or at the workplace or in the neighborhood or at the family function. You see, there is no doubt that Jesus rose from the dead and that he ascended up to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father, interceding on behalf of anyone who would ask him for the forgiveness of their sins. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You see, as Bible-believing Christians, we celebrate this day to acknowledge the love that God the Father has for mankind. So much love that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to offer all of humanity an opportunity to become a son or a daughter of his. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you, listen to the question, how many of you are sons of God? Raise your hand if you are a son of God. Okay? Raise it high. What do you... Nobody's going to crucify you here. You're a son of God. Okay, look around you. How many of you are a daughter of God? Raise your hand. I said listen to the question. Raise your hand. How many of you are daughters? Because there are only males and females. No matter what cancel culture tries to tell us, there are only males and females. So if you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, you're not according to Jesus. Don't blame me. Read your Bible. You are not a child of God. You're a child of your father, the devil. It's black and white. If you don't want to go to hell, receive Jesus as your Savior. It's not going to be a party. Read your Bible. It's hot. Way hotter than Phoenix. You see, once you're in the family, you're set free from the fear of death through the resurrection of Jesus, knowing that nothing, nothing will ever be able to separate us from him. 
including this crazy cancel culture that has taken hold the last two or three years. Not only do you have to accept certain lifestyles, you have to endorse those lifestyles. Forget just the accepting. You will endorse it or else. Or else what? Cancel me. Ooh, so scared. I know if you're younger, you know, it's, it's important to be, you know, it's really important for you to be accepted. You want to be a part of the group. When you get older, you could care less. It's kind of like, I don't, really don't care. I'm going to heaven. Cancel me. You want my number? Cancel me. Romans chapter 8. Who is he who condemns? Is it, it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Guys, today in 2023, please educate yourselves. There are believers in foreign lands who are being martyred for Jesus Christ. They're literally dying for their faith. This is happening in our world today. It's not conspiracy. It's literally happening. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, Paul says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We have that plaque, right? You probably have that on, on your wall, poster, carved out of wood. Most of you don't know the first part. What's it going to cost me to be a conqueror? To be canceled? To lose family members? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. You better check out your disciplehood. Don't ever put anybody above the word of God. Anybody. For I am persuaded. Are you persuaded? I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Who would have thought just a few years ago that we'd be doing what we're doing today? Not, none, I bet none of us in this room thought, thought that this would be where we are. It's so grieving what's going on. But the Bible says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall what? Shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Guys, that's the most important thing for you and I to understand, that God loves us supremely. If the rest of the world hates us, didn't Jesus even say, don't be surprised. They hated me first. Hello. Why should you be surprised? If they hate me, they're going to hate you. So, as we get ready to wrap it up here, Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I know most of you do in this room. But we still want to be asking people outside this room, hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have the hope of the resurrection that that the Christian church is celebrating this morning? Again, I know most of you do. But don't be afraid to ask somebody. I mean, 10 out of 10 people still die. Don't be afraid to ask somebody, hey, if you died today, do you know where you're going to go? You'll be amazed. You'll love the look on their face. What, what, what did you just ask? Yeah, I just asked you a simple question. If you died today, do you know where you're going to go? 
Do you know beyond any doubt that God is your heavenly father and that you are going to spend eternity with him? You see, if you do, then celebrate this resurrection day with thanksgiving. You've been saved from eternal separation from God. You've been delivered from the eternal darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But if you do not have that assurance of where you are going to be upon death, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, then I'd like to offer you that to you right now. You see, Romans 5.17 says this, For if by the one man's offense, death reigned, this would be Adam and Eve, so the first Adam, through one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, the second Adam, Jesus the Christ. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is what it is for all of us. As we go and minister, we can't save them by our great intellect. We can't save them by beating them over the head with a Bible. It it just doesn't work. It's by faith. And the Bible says that God has given to every single person a measure of faith. No one will ever be able to say, well, I didn't have any faith. No, 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 no. The Bible says, as we have 8 billion people on this earth, every person has a measure of faith. Now, it doesn't mean they're all saved. That just means that God's put it there. What they do with it is called free will. I can accept it or I can reject it. God sends nobody to hell. We choose to go there ourselves. It is a gift of works. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, maybe you came here this morning expect to be asked for something. But I come to you this morning as the music team comes up. Not asking you for anything of this world's goods, but to offer you the free gift of salvation. If you choose to receive that gift upon death, you will enter eternity with God, with the God of all creation. Make no mistake about it, there is a God and His word is true. But again, the choice is yours. And guys, as we go out into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods, into our schools, we need to present the choice to others because the choice is theirs. But unfortunately, they're not hearing about that choice. You won't find this on any of the major networks. Choose you this day whom you will serve as we wrap it up with Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. They're now, they've now conquered most of the land. Not all of it, but most of the land. Joshua is much older. And he makes this bold proclamation And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, that would be the Jordan River, so all of the other gods that you've ever known, and there were a lot of gods in Egypt, or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell, when they came into the land of Canaan and took possession of it, there were a lot of gods. When you look at America today, there are a lot of gods, little g's, Who are you going to follow, the little G's or the one big G? There is only one God. But Joshua wraps it up with this, which again, you probably have a plaque of this. But as for me and my house, as for me, notice, as for me and my house. My house doesn't want to follow. (laughs) That's irrelevant. But as for me, and whoever wants to follow me, 
You're part of my house. Don't want to be a part of my house? Adios amigos. I'm heading to heaven. You got free will. Figure it out. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Guys, that's our exhortation. No matter how dark it's going to get, and it's going to get darker, don't forget who to serve. Because the Bible tells us what? In the end, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. Father, we thank you and praise you that we know the rest of the story. And no matter how high we could pile the gold, it's all going to burn. And we can't take any of it with us to heaven. And we're definitely not taking any of it with us to hell. So, Father, we thank you and praise you that you've made it so easy. Religion makes it so hard. But, Father, you've made it so easy. Just confess. Just believe. Just exercise that that little faith. And you will see it blossom and bloom into a saving faith. You know, as the saints are praying, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you're here this morning, don't necessarily focus on the prayer. This is not a memorized prayer. It's not a religious prayer. It's just a prayer. But God is focusing on your heart. And if you pray this prayer, you see there's a lot of people, hundreds of people in this room right now that are praying for somebody they don't even know, but they're praying that the blinders will be removed. And you know if you're saved or not. So just know that if you're not saved, you've got hundreds of people right now praying for you because they love you. But you have to make the choice. Am I going to accept Christ or not? So if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, then just pray this little prayer after me. God, I get it. I'm a sinner, which means I need a Savior. So God, I come to you right now And I invite Jesus to be my Savior. I invite Jesus to come into my life. I invite your Holy Spirit to come into my life. I really don't know what that means. But God, I trust you're going to show me through the Word, through the Bible, through prayer, through other Bible-believing Christians, that you will show me what that means. But for now, by faith, I repent and I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I thank you, God, that you receive me just the way I am. And then you'll clean me up as you see fit in your perfect timing. You'll shape me and mold me into the image of your son, Jesus. And God, I thank you that I can now call you Father. My Father. What a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to pray, maybe you've come here and you've been away and you know you've been away and we don't need any details. But if you would like to pray to get right with God, and you know exactly what I'm saying, I don't need to explain it. You just pray this prayer right now. Father, I know you never left me. 
I've been battling that for a while. I've been the problem, not you. And so, Father, I come back and I just say, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help me not look to the right or to the left, but just to look straight forward. Help me just to cling to you, for I know you have all the answers for this life as well as eternal life. Help me seek counsel. Help me to reach out. Help me to be involved with the local church. For the current is strong. And we're swimming upstream. But that's okay. You're with us. You're with me. Fill me afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity we have to share the gospel this week. Help us to be available, whether it's five seconds, five minutes, five hours, whatever that might look like. Help us to be available for your glory. We just uh, pray that we'd have an opportunity to pray with someone this week, whatever that looks like, Lord. Just help us to be aware of those divine appointments that you have preordained that will be ready to be used by you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.